Hello friends, happy Sunday. Welcome to Middle Collegiate Church. Um, we welcome you on this Transgender Awareness Sunday, just as you are, as you walk through our virtual doors. We welcome you. And so now just take a deep breath with me. Welcome to worship.
friends, come a little bit closer. I'm going to ask you something. What is this called? Maybe your family calls this a clicker or a channel changer. My family calls this a remote. And here's the hard question for you. Which one of us is right? You're right. I knew I couldn't fool you. And that was a trick question. All of them are correct, right? This clicks. So it makes sense why people call it a clicker. And it changes the channel. So it makes sense why people call it a channel changer. And it does these things remotely or without being plugged in. So it makes sense why people call it a remote. Sometimes when we acknowledge that there isn't one right answer and that there are multiple truths, it helps us understand the world around us a little bit better. And I'm not really talking about remotes anymore, am I? Friends, one of the things I love most about middle is that we don't put God into boxes. Just like some people call this a clicker or remote or channel changer, we all call God by different names. Some people call God she or he or they or God or holy or something completely different. I want you to go ahead and put how you call God in the chat below. Maybe ask a grown up for help if you can't reach the keys. And you know, None of us are wrong, right? God is all of these things. And when we give ourselves permission to imagine and connect with God in different ways, we understand God a little bit better. And this is also true for us, right? We're made in the image of God. So we also have permission to imagine and connect with ourselves in new ways. And you know, sometimes the way that somebody calls God or expresses um, their experience with an identity that you hold, it might not feel right. And it takes hearing something different for it to feel good again. I used to really struggle whenever I heard God referred to as she. Uh, and when someone finally called God they, it's like something clicked. And I felt like my relationship with God changed. I loved thinking about God as embodying all genders and all characteristics. And then I realized, friends, that part of why I liked they for God was because I liked they for myself. And you can do that too. You have permission to try on different names or pronouns or ways of being called that feel right to you. And friends, we're all unique and we all experience the world and God and ourselves in different ways. Your idea of being a woman might not look like mine. Your idea of practicing your faith might not look like mine and that's okay. But what we need to remember is that on our path to self-discovery and learning more about ourselves, we don't put boxes on God and we don't put each other in boxes and instead help one another and liberate each other into new ways of being and understanding, okay? Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for all of the ways that you are you, which allows us to be us in all of the ways that we are us. Amen? Amen. Okay, friends, let's go sing Sihama together. We are marching in the light of God. 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 Good morning. 
I'm Ben, one of the ministers at Middle, and this is Middle in Two Minutes. On Sunday, December 6th, we have an amazing kids multicultural book fair coming up. Elise has cultivated an incredible selection of diverse reading material for you to read with your kids to help envision and imagine the beautiful, loving world that we all want to live in. We're going to have author readings, and in partnership with Greenlight Bookstore, you'll get 10% off of anything you buy. So make sure to mark your calendars and be there for this really fun, amazing virtual event. At Middle, we know that this can be a particularly lonely time of year for our queer family. So to any LGBTQIA folk who are feeling a little left out around this holiday season, wishing you could be with family, know that your Middle family is here for you. On Saturday, November 21st, we're gonna be hosting a Queer Friendsgiving virtually. Wish we could be in person, but we're gonna be uh, you know, zooming in with all of our, our tasty dishes that we're cooking for ourselves and hoping to share in a little bit of community and love, some levity and warmth to make the holidays feel a little less isolating in a time that can be really difficult. And for anyone else, we know that Holidays being hard is not a uh, exclusively queer experience. So if you need care, know that we are here for you. If you go to middlechurch.org prayer, you'll find our prayer portal with all the ways we're offering care right now. You can arrange for a virtual coffee with a minister, submit your prayer concerns and have our care team pray for you, or request a one-on-one -on -one call with a member of our pastoral care team. There's also a phone line you can call for a prayer and scripture reading anytime you want just to hear a little word of comfort. We love you so much. We want you to be well. Let us pray. On the Trans Day of Remembrance, we are called to hold all of our trans siblings who have been killed, who were taken from us before their times, who could not live the lives that God called for them to live because of hatred. On your screen, you will see all the trans people we know about who have been killed this year. May we hold them in our hearts and trust that God is surrounding them with love. In the tradition that I was raised in, our confessional prayer asked us to ask forgiveness for what we have done, but also what we have left undone. So this morning, I ask that God forgive us for everything that we have left unfinished, that we have not built a world that holds our trans and gender non-conforming siblings with the same care and protection and honor that it holds every other child. That we do not enjoy systems of justice that treat people as full and complete humans. Indeed, as we hold the names of people who have been killed, we must recognize that that is simply the worst symptom of a system of injustice. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we do not protect people from discrimination in the workplace, for the ways that trans people can be persecuted against when seeking to adopt or teach or receive life-saving medical care, the ways that we still have not made our circle here at Middle wide enough that everyone may feel at home. Lord, Help us to do better.
Help us to create a world where each and every one of your children experiences fully the love and care that you have intended for their lives. Transform us that through our love, the world itself may be transformed. And on a future trans day of remembrance, we will not have to begin our prayer with a litany of people who have been killed. Now I invite you to pray the words that Jesus taught us in whatever way is most comfortable. You'll see an inclusive version at the bottom of your screen. Our Creator, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
family. Today's scripture reading comes to us from the book of Acts, chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. These disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's so good to be with you again at Middle Collegiate Church. I love being with you last November. Then I was with you live. Now, well, it's 2020. What can we say? So I grew up in the city, Akron, Ohio, the rubber capital of the world. When the wind blew in from the east, the whole town smelled like burning rubber. When I was 15 years old, my family moved to rural eastern Kentucky, and I loved it there. I was never going to leave. But then when I was in college, I had these friends who were prone to taking risks, and they decided to take this trip to New York. And I never would have gone, except I had met this girl from New York. And, well, after a week in New York, I definitely was not crazy about the place. On the other hand, I was pretty crazy about the girl. In fact, I ended up marrying her. But still, as I left New York at the end of that trip, I said loudly in the car, oh dear God, don't ever make me come back to this place again. And then for the next 35 years, I lived in New York and loved it. Stranger things have happened to those who did not want to go to the city. Just ask Jonah. And we really don't know whether these people wanted to go to the city or not, but the fact is, they ended up in the city. What was the city? Antioch. After Rome and Alexandria, it was the third most important city in the Roman Empire. Located about 15 miles from the Mediterranean Sea, it was known for commerce, carousing, and corruption. Such a corrupt city that at least one historian said that a major reason for the downfall of the Roman Empire was the decadence and corruption that existed within the city of Antioch. 
But it's interesting because another careful historian, Luke was his name, writing the book of Acts, tells us a lot about the city of Antioch, and never once did he talk about what was wrong with Antioch. Instead, he just talked about the possibilities of Antioch, because indeed Antioch was the city in which Christianity became the religion of an entire civilization. How did that happen? That's what I want us to look at today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the 11th chapter of the book of Acts, beginning with the 19th verse. And let's see what happened that we might be able to learn from in the city of Antioch. Now, those who'd been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Now, who were these nameless people from Cyprus and Cyrene? We don't know, but they were the first explorers of that declared Gentile age, the first ones to take the good news of Jesus to the non-Jewish population. And word of what they had done got back to the old first church in Jerusalem. And what was the response of the people there? Well, I can just imagine a couple of them talking. You hear what's going on over in Antioch? Well, no, what's going on? Word has it from a reliable source. They're taking the gospel to Gentiles there. Gentiles? I didn't hear anything about that at the church conference. I didn't either. What do you think we should do? I think we should cut off their financial support. Is that what the church in Jerusalem did? Well, I know human nature well enough to know that's probably what some people in the church in Jerusalem wanted to do, but thank goodness they were not the decision makers. No, the decision makers decided to sacrificially send one of their best, most promising young men, Barnabas, to go help start a new church in the city of Antioch. It's because they understood what Jesus had been talking about on his very last day of public ministry when in answer to the last public question he was ever asked about which laws were the most important, he said, it's just three things, loving God, loving neighbor, and loving self. Incredibly simple. I did not say easy. And they knew that loving their neighbor meant loving every single human being with whom they come in contact, maybe even especially those who were not like them, so they decided to sacrificially send one of their best to take the gospel of Jesus, the message that God loves us just as we are, to the people of Antioch. So I knew from the time I was three or four years of age that I was transgender. I always thought a gender fairy would arrive and then ask me, well, what do you want to be? And I would say, of course, what I was, a girl, but alas, no gender fairy arrived. So... I just lived my life. I didn't hate being a boy. I just knew I wasn't one. Went to college, got married, had kids, built a career. But the call toward authenticity has uh, all the subtlety of a smoke alarm. And eventually I transitioned just six years ago. And oh my, the things I've discovered since then. 
And one of the biggest discoveries is just how entitled I was as a well-educated white American male. I had no idea how privileged I was. And the truth is, I'll not live long enough to lose my male privilege. I brought it with me when I transitioned. But that does not mean I don't see my power diminishing. My middle daughter was adopted from Calcutta, India when she was just two months of age. She's in her early 40s now. And shortly after I transitioned, she said, So, now? Maybe you're understanding just a tiny bit of what I've experienced my entire life. And I think it is only a small, tiny bit. Nevertheless, those of us who are transgender are only 0.58% of the American population. And right now, for whatever reason, a lot of people do not like us. Did you know that today, in 2020, in 27 states of the United States this year, 76 bills have been introduced in legislatures to take away the basic civil rights of transgender people. This coming week, November 20, is the Transgender Day of Remembrance. And this year it's even worse than last year. We know at least 33 transgender people have lost their lives by violence this year, most of them black and brown transgender women. What's going on? Why does the world hate us so much? Well, you know, the desert religions, all three of them began as religions of scarcity. All three Abrahamic religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, started out as religions of scarcity. And as such, they had an attitude of scarcity. We're in the desert. There's not a lot of resources here. We've got to take care of our own. But interestingly, as all three of those religions have developed, They've become very generous religions in their more liberal forms. But unfortunately, in their fundamentalist forms, they remain religions of scarcity. In the evangelical Christian world in the United States, one of the biggest enemies they've identified is us, the transgender population. You know, the truth of the matter is no election is going to change the kinds of difficulty we have in our nation today. We've not had this kind of polarization in 150 years. We are, in fact, an extremely polarized nation. And what will bring us back together? It's not going to be yelling at each other across a debate stage. It's not going to happen screaming at each other on social media. I think there's really only one way that we can come together, and that is by getting in close proximity to one another, to be on the same front porch, the same front stoop, to be in the same room together, and to tell each other our stories. You know, when you think about it, we are, in fact, a narrative-based species. You don't sleep without dreaming, and you don't dream in mathematical equations, you dream in stories. The need for story is downright biological, and the power of story can change minds. We humans will change our minds, but unfortunately we do not change our minds unless information comes to us in a non-threatening way. And what's the least threatening way to receive new information? A well-told story. Think of John Hersey's Hiroshima, or the diary of a young girl by Anne Frank, or Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. 
three books, three well-told stories that changed the world's attitudes, telling each other our stories in close proximity to one another, that is what will bring about change. In my own situation, I speak a lot at universities and colleges all over the United States and Canada. I'm well compensated for it. So I decided I would offer to go to Christian universities in the U.S., evangelical schools, at my own expense to talk with them about my transgender experience. I thought, they'll have to see that I'm a relatively normal human being, you know, as normal or not normal as they are. And once you know me, well, you know, you may not think I'm perfect, you may not even like me, but you're going to have to admit I probably have every reason to expect to have civil rights here in this nation we share together. And so I offered to go to several schools. One school took me up on it. It's actually a university where I used to teach in their doctoral program. The psychology department had me in. I spoke for a number of classes. The provost sat in every single class to make sure what I was saying was going to be okay. I spoke to about 75 students who were in the Master of Arts in Counseling program. I think for most of them, I was the first transgender person they'd ever met. I had a number of students come out to me, tell me that they had been through conversion therapy. I listened to their stories. It was a wonderful week. The psychology department invited me back. I said yes. But then I found out that while I was there that week, the wife of the former president and another person, one of my former co-workers, had joined together to get all the alumni up in arms and contact the administration to demand that I never be allowed to come back again. And so I haven't been. There's only so much I can do to share my story. But you can. You can share my story. We need allies, allies to the transgender and gender non-binary community, allies who will speak our stories, who will tell of their knowledge of us and the life we live. We need accomplices who will work at our direction, who will ask us, what do you need from me? We need assistants who will come alongside us and carry the message with us, because you can go places I cannot go. And you can tell your story, listen to the stories of others, and you can tell my story, because it's only through telling stories that we will break down the barriers. And that brings us back to our text. Why did the church in Jerusalem send Barnabas off to Antioch? Well, Barnabas was a wonderful ally, a great accomplice. First of all, he was an independent thinker. Earlier, when everyone else rejected the idea that Paul might be an apostle, who stood firmly with Paul? Barnabas. And yet later on, he and Paul had a big disagreement over what to do about Mark. He was his own man. Nobody was going to tell him what to think. He'd learn how to think. He was willing to focus on the importance of taking the gospel, the good news that God loves everyone just as they are, to the Gentile people, even if no one else thought it was important. He wasn't just an independent thinker. He was also a positive thinker. What was his name? His name was not Barnabas. His name was Joseph. His nickname was Barnabas. And what did that nickname mean? It meant son of encouragement. Now, there's a real nickname for you. 
You know, my son played Little League Baseball forever, and his next to the last season, his team was 2-14. and 14. That's right. They lost 14 games. They lost the last game of the season that year, 34-5. to five. You ever go to one of those games? You're praying for an early sunset, a thunderstorm, anything. Game's over. Kids are turning in their uniforms. One of the kids is crying, and Jonathan said to him, Hey, man, don't worry about it. We're going to win them all next year. I turned to the father next to me and said, that's my boy. He just batted 111, but he's a positive thinker. The next year, Jonathan batted 354, and the team was 1 in 15. But hey, he's a positive thinker, and what's he doing now? He started a new church in Brooklyn, New York, Forefront Church, a church that speaks out on behalf of people like me, a church that helped start the church I pastor in Boulder County, Colorado, left-hand church. Barnabas was an independent thinker and a positive thinker and a man who did not fear failure. He failed pretty significantly. Paul tells us about it later on in Galatians, but, you know, he probably understood what Rilke was talking about at the end of his poem, The Man Watching. Winning does not tempt that man. This is how he grows, by being defeated decisively by constantly greater beings. You know, I'm not here today because of the church in Jerusalem. It did not take Christianity to my ancestors. It's the church in Antioch that took Christianity to my ancestors. Because the church in Jerusalem and Barnabas were willing to go to people not like them, to get in close proximity to them, to listen to their stories, to tell their story, and to give them the good news that God loves us just as we are. Do you know how I think we will change the narrative today? I think it's going to take the church to do it. Churches just like yours, willing to say, we're going to do our best to close the gap, to narrow the gap, to show the love of God to absolutely everyone. We're going to get in close proximity to one another. We're going to tell each other our stories, and we're going to listen carefully to each other's stories. All it's going to take is one single church like the church in Jerusalem, and then one Barnabas from within that church willing to say, well, use me, God, to get the job done. And then one more church, like the church in Jerusalem, and one more Barnabas. So it looks to me like you are, in fact, already that kind of church. I mean, Middle Collegiate is, in fact, an extraordinary church. So we have the church. So I guess the important question is, will you be that Barnabas? Thank you. So, what can we learn from the Church of Jerusalem and Barnabas that can heal our current divide and bring us together? For me, that answer is love. Love, period. That love that I have found and been totally wrapped around in a middle church. Hi everyone, my name is Georgia Bridgers and today I am leading the Join the Movement part of our worship. Um, I have to admit, when I was asked to give my own Join the Movement, I got butterflies in my stomach because I was so excited, but also nervous. I thought there maybe had been a mistake. Since I'm such a new member of Middle, I was kind of like, well, what can I say to get people to join the movement? Uh, but then I sat down and I remembered the love, community, empowerment and encouragement that middle has given me i joined middle in february 
when I had just moved to New York City for the first time away from my family and I was looking for community and I was looking for love. So I googled LGBTQ inclusive churches in NYC and Middle was at the top of the list. So I strolled on down to Middle that following Sunday and I left worship with tears in my eyes because I knew that even though I was one person in a very big city, I had found true love, community, and support. I have essentially joined Middle through Zoom. And I think that just goes to show how powerful Middle's community is that even though we are screens away, I feel that love and that connection as if I'm right there holding hands with everyone. So I'm here today to tell you all to join the movement. There are so many ways you can help join the movement. You can sign up to become a member or you can donate with many different ways. Every single gift counts. You can go to Middle's website, www.middlechurch.org donate and click the donate button or you can find us on Facebook and also click the donate button. My personal favorite, you can make a gift via text to uh, 917-924-4666 and you can just text the amount that you'd like to donate or you can send your gift through Venmo. Our username is at Middle Collegiate Church. Middle needs you to help empower and keep spreading this love you're so needed here and you are so loved here no matter what. Join the movement.
Good afternoon, listening and loving God, whose giving knows no ending. We know how to say thank you when we receive. Right now we say thank you as we give. In our giving, hear our heart-filled gratitude for all that you are and all that we have. Bless these gifts as we practice individually and collectively mindful stewardship. Thank you for opening our hearts and minds to how you call us to participate, especially today on Transgender Day of Awareness. Make us more compassionate, faithful, steadfast, and generous in our giving to you and each other. In love and your many names, amen. I'd like to share with you today a song from South Africa that I'm going to teach you. The words are in English, never give up. Uh, the African version is Bambalela, and it was one of the battle cries of the apartheid movement. Uh, and the story goes that a young girl at the end of a gathering just started singing it. And everybody joined in and took it out in the streets. And you know, so you can burst into it whenever you feel like it. Bambalela, Bambalela. Bambalela, Bambalela, Bamba, 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 Oh, Bamba, Bambalela.
Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dr. Williams, Paula, for that amazing sermon. And thank you, worship team, for this beautiful worship celebration. Thank you, kids. Thank you, Malika. Good to see you. Thank you, Joey. Good to see you. Good to see you all in this beautiful space. Paula threw down a challenge. We are the church, she says. We're the church that can get it done. And that's right. And the question is, will we be Barnabas? Will we tell Paula's story, Joey's story, Zen's, Graham's? Will we tell the story of the countless trans folks that are in that 0.58% who, whose families reject them, whose churches scoff at them? I'm throwing down a challenge. I promise I take a pledge of allegiance to love to make it be so that we don't need a trans week of awareness because we're aware of trans people all year long that we do the work of justice and the work of welcoming and the work of advocacy to make it be so. So you middle family, in all the ways that you live in love, in the traditional binaries and the non-binaries, in every space in between, and most especially for our trans siblings, fill our love and our commitment to your life and to your thriving and to your livelihood. And may the peace of God be with everyone on this day and always. Amen. <laughs>